you dumb, beautiful fucker. Who wants to be in America's slash fit with Abraham Lincoln? Louisiana Purchase, that's a name. You need to really get off my balls, okay? I'm gonna kick your ass. Also, why was Michelangelo so stinky? Ew. Welcome to episode 204 of the Y'all Can Hear Podcast. I'll be your host today, Patrick. And joining me today are my three cavorting co-hosts. It's Jonathan. Flying like a bird, Captain Cole. <laughs> it's it's Winslow. This week, we'll be taking just a little bit of a break from our overall uh, kaiju oeuvre for the month. And we talk about another equally big concept. And that's the second installment in Phase 4 and in MCU and that's the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And today we'll be discussing episode one in the six-part series. And of course, be known, we'll be discussing the first episode in detail and with spoilers. So if you haven't got a chance to see it yet, come back and then talk to Most us. Most likely spoilers for like past MCU things overall. Maybe. It's probably not a great place to start if this is your... If somehow this is the first thing you've ever seen at the MCU. But it, it ha- if this does happen to be your first thing, then um, congratulations. Which, you know, at a weird spot. A very weird spot. But um, we'll be, like I said, we talked about Falcon and Winter Soldier, which takes place six months after the end of Avengers Endgame, which means it takes place after WandaVision, but before Spider-Man Far From Home. And a very convoluted timeline of the MCU right now. And I can yeah. bet it's only going to get more confusing yeah. when the next Spider-Man movie comes out. In Doctor Strange. Oh, yes. God. I'm ready for it. But, yeah, there's not a lot of magic in um, hoodoo in this one. It's very considerably down to earth compared to WandaVision with a lot of magic and, like, reality warping. But this features uh, Sam Wilson, a.k.a. The Falcon, as he's sort of transitioning into this new role outside of the Avengers, but also with this inheritance. Like, he he, he was bestowed uh, the, the unbreakable shield of Captain America at the end of Endgame, and he's sort of wrestling with the idea of what to do with this new mantle and its legacy. And, of course, we also have the co-lead, Bucky Barnes, the former Winter Soldier, as he sort of wrestles with making amends what he did as an amnesiatic uh, government weapon for a lot of evil people, and how does he make amends with that? And sort of in a larger scope, how the country in the, of America, NCU, is dealing with the loss of its sort of symbolic hero and Captain America. But just sort of to ease us into it, um, what were some, what was sort of like our, your basic feelings about the first episode? I thought it was uh, pretty good. I, I, uh, it felt like an episode that was definitely setting up something uh, bigger. It it had some slow moments, but it also had some really good action moments. Like the first, I want to say, 15, 20 minutes was all uh, Captain Falcon related. Uh, uh, no, it's the Falcon. He's Whatever, not Captain. dude. I, Captain Falco from Star Fox. It, it was pretty cool. It was cool. That was pretty cool. It was, it was just so funny, though, because like the way he was coordinating with the U.S. military, it's like, okay, 
We see you, Marvel. We know about your contract. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Military bad. Yes, we all think this. Everyone here think military bad, but explosions look cool on TV. It's not just military bad. You know, there's more, I don't know, propaganda. It's propaganda. I mean, look, like like Colt said, everybody here is like obviously realizing the military-industrial complex has a lot of dark and heavy baggage to it. Like, you can also be like, See that is bad, but also like enjoy the the, uh, the action from it. You know, you, you, two things can occupy your, your your mind simultaneously. It's like that was like whenever he got into the plane, that was pretty sick. Yeah, the uh, way the, I didn't realize how flexible his wings were, how versatile they are. Yeah, yeah pretty good. Yeah, um, yeah, sick. <laughs> um, especially how useful Red Wing is. That's pretty much his little pet, and I love him, even though he's. He doesn't really have. Um, he doesn't talk or anything. Um, not yet. He he made. Sirius is still young. He still could get a wisecracking attitude. Uh, I just remembered. Is the guy? Is the main guy from the very beginning that uh, was doing the whole hostage thing? Is that Batrock? Yeah, that, that's Batrock the Leaper from last scene in the Captain America: The Winter Soldier, and the first yeah, 15, 20 like, of minutes like, of that. Is that him? <laughs> yeah, it, it, man, that's weird. Uh, and he's still alive as we can tell because there's a little scene where uh the helicopter blows up but he jumps out last second so marvel was showing some restraint about not killing their but like out off. of all the villains to not kill off <laughs> why him i mean he could he could be really relevant later but like killmonger ultron uh like all you had all these other villains who were more had more character to them, especially Killmonger. Well, I think they realized, like, oh, we've been making some mistakes. We're going to rectify this by we're not killing any more bad guys. It could be the Starting next Starting with Batroc, he's the tip of the spear. <laughs> no, yeah. not a... Because I'm... Not you, Louie. I think... I mean, they made... They're still regretting the day they killed off Ronan. Yeah, you the know, big, that most, the, big... the most compelling villain we've ever had. <laughs> we have one giant... Haunt with a hammer. We need another. I don't know about that. But make them blue with really chunky that mascara. Was chunky, yeah. It was. <laughs> and it I was like a man. It was. It was like. Um, it was like curdled. Dip. Yeah. It was man. <laughs> <laughs> Weird texture. But anyway, back to uh, this. Yeah, that that first you know twenty minutes is pretty sick. It, it like Colt said, it, it's a first episode. You know, a lot of setup. Um, but we get into some, I think we get into some really interesting conversations at least. Oh yeah, we see some pretty cool shit uh, conversation-wise with uh, Bucky later in the episode. It just the way, uh, whenever he was a Hydra person, that scene was pretty fucked up. And then it turns out that that, that the guy he just killed was Yuri's son, like, or what's his name, Yuri? Uh, Yuri, Yuri's son. I was like, fuck. Yeah, I think it was Yuri. Also... The very beginning, whenever the plane scene's happening, did anybody else feel it was like more violent than usual? Like we saw that guy get shot. Oh yeah, Sam killed a ton of people. Like he well, killed a ton of people. <laughs> yeah. Like they, well, like, here, well, here's the thing. Fucking death like it, it's really weird. Yeah, um, Spider Man. It's like Spider Man can't you know can't kill people. But if it's like anybody within the sector of Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Black Widow, it's like, killing's fine. <laughs> A-okay. But, yeah, there definitely seems like a, a big um, increase in, and at least at least a body count. It's not like a, like a messily dismembered. I mean, we unless um, later on, 
uh, Falcon pulls a, a Steve and like yeets somebody through a uh, airplane propeller, and they just get like turned into salsa. The helicopters were all drones. Sorry, I'm sorry, Jonathan. The helicopters were all drones. All the guys that got flung out of the plane all had parachutes. They're fine. It's like at the end of Freddy Got Fingered, where they throw the kid in the plane, the plane propellers. But they had to add in the kid saying, I'm okay, Dad! So they didn't get an NC-17 rating. (laughs) (laughs) Even though he gets thrown into propellers and sprays an audience with blood. (laughs) Just like that. Uh, I I, I really enjoyed the show. Um, I definitely could tell, like, this is drastically different from WandaVision. Because, like... There's six episodes this series, so they're going to take a little bit more time. Plus, every episode's an hour. So, we could, they couldn't drop us two because that'd be literally a third of the series out of the way. But, um, I, I did enjoy it. I feel like, like Winslow said, they had a good, a lot of neat conversation that p- pieces, especially this one was like, um, how the, the government reacts. It sort of takes care of the people who served it, uh, sort of like how, um, African Americans are treated within a larger financial system. And like some and some really interesting points, and also fleshing out uh, how the world works now that you know the the blip and the snap had happened, and everything is trying to like fall back into normal processes. Which is like, if something that happened in real life, it's like how do you manage that? Like how do like sit like what I'm trying to think like over a billion people, you know, just randomly pop up after five years of not being there, and and then it's like. You know how how do you how do you manage that? How does the government, the world, do that? Uh, deal with that? Um, and then also Bucky, how like okay, he was a Hydra agent, then he became a hero that pretty much saved the universe. Um, like okay, he got pardoned, but like how is he supposed to now? How is he supposed to deal with like how? What does that look like? You know that situation. So I I think uh, we got some neat stuff. Um, man, I was definitely don't get me wrong. I like I'm. I, I want to see them together, you know, more. We'll, we'll, the show is called The Fucking Falcon, Winter Soldier, Wenzel. Um, <laughs> but, like, I was really interested in the Falcon situation because that just seems really sad. So we'll touch on that, but, Jonathan, uh, wrap this up. What were your sort of initial thoughts coming out of it? Kind of along the same lines y'all have been. It's kind of hard to judge it right now. It, uh, like Colt said, it's just a lot of setup. Nothing that it out that was like really offensive. There there were some things that kind of irked me, but it's more just like personal things than I guess any sort of criticism, but we'll we'll get into that as we start talking about it. Okay. Um but so like get it into the the breakdown of the show proper. We had we had, we had sort of this like very pensive moment with Falcon as he sort of like gets ready for the press conference we'll be in later uh on the show where he basically sort of addressing his standing as sort of Captain America's, like, protege, his sort of, like, successor. And then we see a flashback of him, you know, in the airspace above Libya trying to retrieve that uh, that kidnapped officer in sort of combating George S. Batroc, you know, this, the French-Canadian military terrorist. Wait, what's his first name? You know them French-Canadians. I thought it was Louis. So if any, so when I said Louis earlier in the episode, they if people hear that, <laughs> now you know why I said it because I thought his name was Louis. Louis Batroc. I don't know, but it is funny because uh, I think the the character because the actor's name is Georgius Saint Pierre, and it, and it, the Batroc has the same first name as his actor, which I thought was neat. <laughs> the casting call. What's your first name? Yep, we got him. Georgius, you're hired. Got him. It's like, also. 
Can you do like really cool flippy jumpy stuff? Uh, it just so happens I can. Wow, serendipity. And um, while Sam is in the air, sort of like fighting all these terrorists and like gun- killing the fuck out of them. Yeah, killing the fuck out of them, just eating them out of planes, throwing them into canyon walls. Uh, he's he's getting uh, information related to him to a new character named Joaquin Torres, played by Danny Ramirez, and who's always like this young uh, officer in the army. And uh, we'll get into his character later, but he but he's going to have a big role going forward into show and but he but we always established him he's a new sort of frontline character in the series man we, we always talked a little bit before but like that opening that scene was pretty slick and you know, him zipping in the air and um just seeing like you said how like versatile his yes. wings are. i always thought it was cool when he can turn his wings into a shield yeah that was really cool oh like i guess he doesn't, he doesn't have his sort of like guns in his wings anymore like um because what in civil war and so then, like he had like these guns, like he could pull out of his wings and fire, and they kind of snap back. But but I guess he, he also upgraded Red Wing, his um little yeah, and a laser really like missiles and mini Gatling guns. So um, they retrieved the missing officer, and he sort of gets debriefed um, by Torres and like this like local Libyan um, sort of air market. No, it was Tunisia. Tunisia, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, I think it, Wenzel's right. But I, I keep thinking because uh, they're on the border of Libya. And it's like, yeah, they don't want to get into Libyan airspace. Uh, and uh, he sort of gets debriefed and sort of uh, he breaks news about this sort of organization that people call the Flag Smashers. They're sort of like trying to uh, break down normal national barriers and sort of create like a world without a sort of national oversight, which is sort of making sense with like. That's one of the big like post snap realities for the MCU is that because like half the world's population disappeared, like there's a lot of like shifting um, like alliances and political borders and like general overall international diplomacy is just kind of a shit show because of all of that. And so like a lot of national politics is very tenuous right now. So having like superheroes zip around it would make things even more uh, fraught with danger. And then we cut to uh, Sam at his uh, press conference where he um, turns over Captain America's shield to be a permanent uh, fixture in the Smithsonian. Basically saying like no one is quite ready to to assume this role yet. It's better left in the past so we can figure out on our own what we want to do. And then we see um, Don Cheadle turn, coming back as James Rhodes, a.k.a. War Machine. It's sort of like, to talk with Sam, like, what, like, what are we going to do now? Everything's weird and different, which um, I, don't, I don't know how much of a he'll, he'll play in this series, but obviously we know he's going to come back for his own show sometime in the future. And then, plus they had like a really cool sort of friendship and um, Infinity War, right? Uh, yeah, because, um, you know, they're both, uh, Rhodes was in the Air Force, and I want to say Sam was... In he was in the military, but I don't know if he was. He's in the, in the Air Force. Yeah, that yeah, because the wings were part of an experimental program. Okay, yeah, he was in the Air Force too. So they kind of you know have like some kind of like uh, camaraderie there. Yeah, I, I think it was cool. Like I, I didn't know if they would sort of jump into Sam being Captain America right away, or like and then just sort of deal with like sort of the shit show that would probably come of it. Like oh, there's a new Captain America. I don't like this because that was sort of a lot of Nick Spencer's run. Uh, as the writer of Captain America, where, where basically where Sam Wilson became Captain America, like so how he assumed the mantle is like obviously a, a giant political fallout. People's like, well, I don't like this guy as my Captain America because literally the first volume of his run as writer was called "Not My Captain America," where people were sort of reacting to obviously a black man being Captain America. 
Yeah, I was about to say they would, most probably people would be incredibly fucking racist in real life too. Well, and also too, they uh, the I think it's even like the first like couple lines of the show where Falcon is kind of flashing back to something Steve said to him, where he was like, "Oh, how does the shield feel?" and and Falcon said, "It feels like it belongs to someone else." So I guess they'll they'll either play with the fact that you know him. Uh, stepping into that role, or hell, might just stay Falcon and he just does his own thing. Which yeah, would be cool too. And then uh, we cut to a little later. Bucky sort of like reminiscing, he having like a nightmare of like his time as like a Hydra weapon. Basically, sometime in the not so distant past, it seems like uh, he broke into a hotel to kill like a, a high ranking figure, and and of course the carnage a. A bystander who's in the wrong place at the wrong time gets eliminated because he saw him kill this political figure, and then he has to go. He's going through therapy basically. It's like, hey, you, we went through a lot of bullshit over the last uh, ninety years. Let's try to unpack that. Yeah, which that therapist was kind of an asshole. <laughs> yeah, it's a very aggressive therapy. And and, and like, ther- therapy and therapists are supposed to challenge you. Like, I mean, you can't keep shit bottled up. You have to let it out. You have to work on yourself. That's why they call it self-care. But at the same time, it's like, I'm like, can you not? (laughs) Because, like, I guess this is really the first time he's dealing with a lot of that. Because we see in Winter Soldier, he's trying to get his memory back. And then he has, like, this moment where he goes back in suspended animation after Wakanda. I mean, after um, Civil War. Mm-hmm. And then when, he, when he's sort of relocated to Wakanda. So he hasn't really had a lot of time to sort of sit and figure his shit out. But it also seems like he's trying to make amends as well. It's like, basically, taking down the people non-lethally that he's helped propped up through Hydra regimes. But also, as we saw with Yuri Nakajima trying to make him into the people he's killed because the the man he killed at that hotel attack was this older Japanese man's son. And without letting him know that he's like, oh, by the way, I killed your son. So like trying to like better this very old man's uh, life in sort of the his twilight years. Yeah. And I really like this old man, (laughs) especially when they're like at the little diner and he's like, Hey, are you single? This guy, (laughs) Take this guy out on a date. <laughs> and she's like hella into it, too. She's like, hell yeah. Okay, I'll take this, like, five-second date. Oh, and I will say, before they worked in that this older man was the son of, the, of a man he'd killed, I thought it was, like, the old man version of the uh, Japanese guy from the Howling Commandos. Oh. But uh, I guess that, that might be too much of a stretch, but that was my first thought. <laughs> too yeah. much of a deep cut. Uh, and, and plus, like, we didn't mention it, but, like, there's definitely this implication that um, not only is Steve Rogers retired as Captain America, he, they kind of th- danced around he might have passed on. At least that's the impression I got from, like, the tone of the uh, conference. Yeah. Well, I mean... I think he went to the moon, like that one guy said. <laughs> Steve Rogers is the Watcher. Even Hol- though they've already established what the, who the Watcher wait is. Wait a but, minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Holy shit. What if, what if that is based a little bit on truth? Because something happens in WandaVision. I don't know if I could say it right now. Uh, probably not, because present company may not have finished WandaVision yet. I have a question when it comes to uh, 
fuck, what is original uh, Captain America's Steve name? Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers. Um, when he went back, what made him start aging? Because what he did was he came back to our timeline, but he went back all the way to when he um when he would have been frozen, but instead he wasn't frozen, so he pretty much lived out uh the tw- his the twentieth century into the twenty first. So he aged. Okay. So I never watched the first Captain America. When was he unfrozen? He was again? unfrozen twenty twelve or guess something. Twenty eleven. I, I guess approximate to when the movie came out. Okay. Okay, okay. That makes but, sense. I guess the the ice you know kept him young in the comics like his serum kept him young but I guess uh, they didn't really super ex- translate that to the movie verse yeah I was about to say because technically wh- by the time he he comes he okay he lives out through his life right up until the point where he comes back at the end of Endgame to you know give Sam the shield that means he would still be oh, hundreds of years old or over a hundred years old. So, and, and that yeah. would make sense if the serum, you know, was able to keep him alive like that too. Cause what they don't tell you is the secret to the, uh, super serum is formaldehyde. Yep. It's just a brown stinky liquid. They fool you up of. All right, let's calm down. Anti-vaxxers. They're not anti-vaxxers. If anybody's listening. <laughs> and also we, we, we get sort of a insight to Sam's life. Cause he goes back to his home in uh, Louisiana which when when uh, he was driving to the shipyard, that music that was playing was slapping. It was good, and so we're introduced to um, Sam's family. We see his his sister Sarah and her two sons working in a shipyard. Because you find out that he, that both of their parents owned a fishing boat, which they used to sort of the, the catch and sell fish, and um, sort of their struggles of keeping the family business afloat. And the uh, time that Sam's been away. Although I, I have to say, I got a pretty good laugh when his nephews ran up and said, "Uncle Sam!" Okay. Oh my god! Did y'all not catch that? That's why his sister did the little salute because you know he was in the military, but also to be like Uncle Sam. You know, I just now understood that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whenever Pat, whenever Pat brought it up, I didn't catch it when I was watching it, but yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I thought that was a funny bit. I thought it was funny. Somebody made it like, oh, that's hackneyed or whatever. I thought I got a laugh. I mean, I didn't notice it until you said it. So, so uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. So, basically, um, we're into this, like, his sort of, their little fishing community. It's, it's really, and plus, I think, like, this is a really, I think one of the stronger moments of sort of the grounded content of the show is him dealing with, like, hey, um, yeah, I fought aliens and monsters and shit, but also, like, I can't keep my family's business from going under. How do I grapple with that? And so mm-hmm. I think that was a, a nice little dramatic moment. Sort of like th- their interaction, like both like like happy re- reunion, but also kind of like the strained relationship they had since before he took off to become a hero. Yeah, and I think one of the one of my favorite lines from their sort of exchange when they're talking about whether or not to sell the boat or not was when she was like, I, I forget how it's worded, but she, more or less she basically says. I've already come to terms with this don't give me hope sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's just going to make everything, like when it does fall through, or when slash, you know what I'm trying to say. And and plus, like, I, I think that's an interesting moment. Like, it's easy for him to be like, oh, we should keep this when he hasn't had to deal with, like, the day-to-day struggles of keeping it afloat, both metaphorically and literally. Yeah, I mean, he, I don't mean, 
say he ran off to join the military, I mean, is both disrespectful to him and uh, service people because, I mean... You know, they, they had reasons for doing what they did, but also, like, not to undercut any of the struggles that Sarah's character went through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, 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 then, and then... Oh, sorry, Wenzel. You go. No, I, I was just going to say, also, he kind of fought, like, aliens and monsters, so... Um. Yeah. <laughs> Only thing I was going to add to that was um, there is a... Uh, military recruiters do uh, target uh, racial minority groups mm-hmm. because for a lot of ways that's their only way out of like big poverty situations. Considering some of the implied casting choices for the show, I think that's going to be a very interesting source of conversation. We'll get into later especially when we talk about some of the um, schedule, the characters scheduled to appear later on. Especially at like how like black people have been sort of used and abused by the U.S. military. Yeah. Um, something I was going to say, too, is that this, it got, like, it got super real, too, whenever Sam was talking about loans and stuff. I was like, oh, shit. Like, man. Because once he mentioned loan, you know where it's going. Yeah. It's like, if you're familiar with the banking system and how they've treated black people. It's sort of like how. to today. It's like, just sort of historically, um, deprived of like financial like support and like you know basically deny them like access to business loans and like bigger things like that even just outright denial of banking services okay like uh, like whenever freaking um I'll, I'll just jump to it. whenever they go to apply for the loan and then the guy's like you don't have any income right here and he's like that's because nobody exists like nobody was here for that time of course there was no income, you stupid piece of shit. And I was like, oh my god, that literally sounds like something a bank teller or a banker or whoever fucking somebody would just fucking say for some reason. Be like, um, yeah, you were actually, uh, there was nothing right here. It's like, that's because I was fucking dead for years. Literally dead. Uh, of course there's nothing right there. Of course there's a gap. And then the bitch has the fucking audacity, the audacity to after denying them the loan to be like, can I get a picture with you, Mr. Falcon? He doesn't ask. He just pulls out his phone. No, no, no. There's a second time whenever he asks, he's like, it's okay if you say no, but can I get another picture of you with your wings out, with your hands out like like wings? And he's like, are you serious? It was so, it was so funny because it was so quick. And he literally says, you can say no. And it's like, he obviously didn't want him to say no. Like, why, why, why would you even do that? It, it, yeah. So like, it's it's sort of. I think that, that that's one of the stronger points about that scene is like how it jumps between like oh this real reality of white disparity, but also like the humor of celebrity. Because I think it was funny when the scene started. It's like oh where do I know you from? You're a Falcon, and it's like oh like 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 he ran into like a sports star or like or, a like, star. like the first thing he yeah that that was the first thing he mentioned. He was like, do you play for LSU? And it's like oh that has some implications behind it too. Yeah. So I, I thought that was I thought that was a really good scene, and and plus like we kind of get a behind the scenes of like maybe how being an Avenger works. Like, do they get paid? Like, because you, you assume like when he was like actively involved with Avengers, like was he getting like a paycheck? Was like was he living on the Avengers compound, just like all of his expenses taken care of? Like, how does being a superhero count as a regular job? Yeah, like I imagine with uh, some of the like the ones the. Avengers that are more tied with the 
the military and the Department of Defense. I imagine they probably got get some sort of stipend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but like, you, you know, like Tony Stark. I mean, he and, and a lot of the other ones in the private sector. I mean, they sort of make their own money. But yeah, it is like it brought up something that you don't really think about the the logistics of where do they get who signs their paychecks? Yeah, yeah. I was about to say because I because I remember I can't remember if they said this, but. I know Tony paid for a lot of stuff, like because you know he was a billionaire, so he could. He's a bankroller for everything, essentially. Yeah, so he paid for a lot of stuff. So I don't know how that works, too. I don't know. It, it was like I'm trying to think because it was like, man, I don't know. That that whole scene was really good and too, and really real because, like, you know, she was his sister. While everybody was de- dead, she had to take care of the the uh her children on her own and and their uh, business too and the business and it was really sad because there was a moment whenever falcon was talking to roadie back earlier he was uh he was talking about like how you know when he his nephews were just tiny babies last time he saw them but then once he blipped or once he got snapped and then he got blipped he comes back and to see they're all they're you know they're old. They're so much older now. Like everybody's older, and it's just like, man, the just the implications of that is so sad. I just want to know what the hell Pepper's doing with all of fucking Iron Man's money. Where what are you doing with that? You making vagina candles? <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a great bit if, if Pepper Potts is essentially just going to Pelzer of the MCU, like she's oh. just turning all of Tony's billions is just like here's this jade egg you put in your pussy that definitely won't give you toxic shock syndrome <laughs> Jesus Christ that would be character assassination <laughs> <laughs> um i mean they did get they they casted the person to play ironheart so i wonder if that if that will be um if that will be addressed the stark Industries. i'm, I, I'm sure that'll I'll, I'll come up more and probably like War Machines yeah. series and the Iron Heart series. Yeah, because War Machine has to go do that stuff to collect Stark tech. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's see Bucky's date with the um, with the girl that the uh, his mm-hmm. old friend set him up with, and how he has like just just like her general like line of questioning that you know you would do to ask anybody on a date to sort of like suss them out. Hey, what do you do? What do you like? He realizes like how far removed he is from the world and how much he's lost. Because like Sam, they're they're both cut off from society in like a very almost death-like way for several several years so like in, in bucky's case he keeps popping in and out of history for like moments at a time and this is the first time in almost a century he's got to have any sort of actual life yeah and then on top of that just having like ptsd and <laughs> this massive trauma just all the trauma in all the world um which, uh, like with the previous scene, I liked this scene, but this is where I really noticed, and this is just me, probably, but the editing was super fucking weird in this show. In the sense of, like, it felt like even the more grounded scenes, like with Bucky and his date, or when Sam and his sister are talking on the bus, or I'm not on the bus, the boat, it's almost shot like an action scene in a lot of ways, or the way it's cut. There's a lot of really, really quick cuts. Shots only hold for like maybe like half a second. And uh, like an example that really like sort of solidifies this is there's like the shot reverse shot with the date on the date between the I forget her name, but you know Bucky and 
the waitress, and and it goes, uh, you know, like shot reverse shot back to, I I think it was the waitress, and like in like a second, literally, when you know, like, I don't know how to like really explain it. I I talked with Pat about it, uh, before the show, but it, it just felt like they could have held on certain shots longer, especially some reaction shots. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like it was like, we're going to show you Bucky real quick and then cut back to... Like, the like they could have held that for a little longer just sort of to let the emotions of the moment sink in. Yeah. I and, don't and, know. Marvel, and, and like, everything's an action shot. And, and then like, and, and then with the uh, Sam and his sister on the boat, a lot of it was handheld and it was really shaky. I guess like... I mean, they, they used a real boat, and I guess filmed on a real boat. Like, it wasn't a set, so, like, maybe the hand cam was all they could use, maybe? Maybe. I mean, honestly, I mean, well, I mean, they could have used a steady cam, but, I mean, even then, like, I imagine, like, if you're filming on a boat, there's not much you could do with that. Yeah. But it did lead to, like, a lot of, like, <laughs> it kind of feeling, <laughs> like, the cinematography and editing feeling... Uh, a different type of intense than what maybe the scene would require. But granted, that could just be me and my preference. Because mm-hmm. I, I told John, I didn't really notice the editing in the show. So, But obviously, different people look and notice different things. But I, I would, I, then maybe if I went back and watched it, like because I watched it kind of halfway finishing my notes because John watched it after me. So maybe if I go back and watch it a, a third time, I might notice how quickly scene shift but i didn't notice that on my first blush with it i i didn't notice it either yeah i, I guess i mean I didn't. you know three 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 out of four you know three to one jonathan i guess it's time to reevaluate yourself and uh apparently yeah. were you moving were you shaking were you closing your eyes <laughs> you know i did there's a lot of like emotion was, on the couch when we were just like Zipping around. What you, what you didn't know was I was running in place the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- th- that's a little small fact about Jonathan, that they can only focus on something when they're gesturing wildly. Yeah. However, if you saw me in person, realize, oh, no, you don't move around at all. <laughs> like we were talking earlier, like the shows, you know, for being an hour long, it has a pretty brisk pace. Yeah, like... Yeah. Like, a lot of times with shows or movies, you know, I'll happen to look at my phone to check the time and be like, oh, God, you know, it's got like an hour left or something. But I remember checking my phone at one point and being like, shit, this only got 10 minutes left. Yes. Yeah. And um, I say one of the sort of the last parts of the, of the episode was when we cut back to um, Joaquin Torres's in... Um, Amsterdam? I think so. It's it Because they were speaking German. Was, no, Switzerland. Switzerland, excuse me. We see him sort of uh, in this sort of uh, meeting place of all these sort of young people because he has been keeping tabs online about the Flag Smasher group. One that's sort of, sort of the, trying to break down national barriers, that sort of thing. And basically this is like this big sort of public gathering point for the group. And then he's sort of like, he's trying to like suss everybody out, but they're not really giving him much uh, intel. Um, but we see uh, what appears to be a masked woman walk up, open up a duffel bag, and start handing out these masks, these black masks with a red handprint on them. And all the people in the, in the, in the square, they take and put on the mask, uh, Torres included. And then all of a sudden, shit springs into action. Like, there's like 
fire alarms go off, people start screaming, and you see a man jump off a balcony, land on the ground with no, like, like two-story balcony, land on his feet, no problem, with two large bags. Casually dressed as well. Just like a regular dude, and he passes off the two bags to two other masked people. So, like, all these people are running around causing pandemonium, and the local law enforcement are just like, what the fuck is happening? And then Torres is like, he's just sort of wide-eyed, like, what the fuck is happening? And then we see um, Homeboy, who jumped out the window, uh, see one of the Flag Smasher people getting roughed up by a cop. And he just, like, yeets that dude into, like, a lamppost. It's like if he's rocking the fucking Fast and Furious. Just picks him up and throws him. So, obviously, he's enhanced in some capacity. Check out Fast and Furious Files. (laughs) Shameless plug. Yeah, stay tuned for the next installment of Fast and Furious Files where uh, The Rock gets straight-up superpowers. But anyway, um, Torres goes to confront this guy, and he just sort of slaps him around and then does this crazy jerk where he flips up in the air and slams him back down and kicks him in the head. The way he kicks him in the head, that's a that, stomp. That, that was, was a, a I thought, I thought he died. Yeah, same. I thought he died. <laughs> No, but then he, uh, when he contacts Sam, he just sends him like a e boy selfie of himself bruised up. Come on, man! <laughs> like it's like I know I got my eyeball bone broken, but also check out this jawline. Like seriously, he the way he sent the picture, it was so it was just so so much vanity. I don't know. I I don't know how to explain <laughs> it. <laughs> it. It was like unintentionally, it looked like he was trying to like catch like a really good selfie because like he has this character like he's like he's kind of like awkward nerdy like soldier guy but so like he's like oh yeah check out this cool um shiner i got from getting kicked in the head by a metahuman pretty sick right he starts biting his bottom lip yes right like mm, like mm. i can't do it because this is audio but mm. (laughs) But, uh unless unless And then Sam's like, hmm, this is, this is pretty wild. And then his sister turns on the TV, and um, we had, there's like a press conference that the U.S. government's like, you know, even though we said we agree with Sam about, you know, we should uh, put the, the Captain America mantle to rest until we can find like a more a better person or just a better time. Or it's like, well, it, it was a two days. We got us, we got us up, this whole thing figured out. It's like, fuck you, Sam. So we have a. Yeah, and it's fucking Casey Neistat from YouTube. Yeah, because they, they announced that there's a new Captain America known as John Walker, who you may know from the comments as U.S. Agent. Because that sort of implied with the uh, his design, because you see he has the Captain America star, but at like a stylized A. Yeah. So you, so uh, whether or not he's called U.S. Agent, that's who the character is. And he has this, this very sort of... That's a new... It's very similar costume to what, he, what Cap's worn in the past. And he has like this sort of like... Little wink to camera. A more punchable face. Like, Captain America was Captain America, but, like, he's, like, America's, like, poster boy or something. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't I can't remember the phrase, but, yeah. I don't like the suit. I I know it's, like, pretty similar to the original Captain America suit. Okay, I just, here's where I get, ma- here's where I I get mad. Ugly. Because I was really, really hoping that they would have stick to, the like, the U.S. agent suit design, which is black and red but they do his usual captain america suit design which is that navy with that navy blue and red and i'm like oh come on do the black and red and call him u.s agent like shut up with the captain america shit captain america's dead or something i don't know 
No, he's jerking off in Florida. There, there's uh, five hours of TV left, so they may it may come back. Yeah, he he may get like another get another outfit. I mean, there's already some visual continuity between the original U.S. agent. Like he has the, the vertical stripes going across his chest. He has the the, uh, the large star on the uh, the right side of his chest. So like there is like nods to that original costume. Whether or not he'll get the um, no, black. No, black I know that. I, I know that. I'm just I'm talking about the colors. That's what pisses me off. The colors. The suit looks fine. Like you know, it like the like you said the vertical strap or whatever you you know open like that looks cool. That looks fine. I'm talking about the colors. If it cha- if they change the colors. To the preferable black, red, and white, that would look sick. But nah, we got we got this boy, we got this young man. Uh, I, I, what what I thought was funny is um the actor who plays U.S. agent, for lack of a better name, uh, his name is Wyatt Russell. And what's funny is that he auditioned auditioned to be Captain America for the first Avenger, and he lost. So they brought him back to be Captain America's replacement. That's good. This is this is more so a bit for me and Jonathan and any wrestling fans out there. But if you look up a picture of Wyatt Russell, he looks like uh, Hangman Adam Page's like twin. Oh God! Hold on one second. Get the fuck out! Right? Doesn't he look like Adam Page? He does. He's been in a lot of movies. Holy yeah, shit. I've seen this guy before. I imagine he's played like generic white guy number two in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I trying to. I was trying to look at what's the most recent thing he's been in. Um, he was in Overlord and um, The Woman in the Window. That that, that hasn't come out yet. And the My Name Jeff movie. He was My in Twenty Two Jump Street, Cowboys versus Aliens. Come on, yeah, because that's sort of the heads and tails of the show itself. But um, it's one of the last things I want to talk about. Sort of like the um, characters to come. Like you know, we're inter- we're introduced to quite a few so far, but there's still several characters that we have yet to see. Like we know that Sharon Carter, aka Agent Thirteen, who is in Winter Soldier and made a brief appearance in Civil War, she will return in a larger capacity for the show because she showed up in a couple of the trailers. Baron Zemo, yeah, by uh, Daniel Brühl, he's a great actor outside of the MCU. And uh, he will be coming back, reprising his role as Zemo, but definitely returning to a villainous role. And how exactly he connects to the Flag Smashers, uh, we don't quite know yet. He has this purple mask, which, you know, is very exciting for comic fans. Yeah. Although I will say, there's been some speculations as, like, I guess to it kind of explain why he, he's adopted this mask now and why it's purple. With some people theorizing that um, it's a reference to Thanos. Because either he's sort of adopting this mask as a form of idolatry of Thanos or symbol of the Avengers' greatest failures. Or he could just be like, that Thanos guy, he had some good ideas. Like I said, we don't really know anything about how he plays into the, the b- bigger puzzle of the show. But I, like I said, I love Daniel Brühl as an actor. And um, I think he did a job as Zemo. Because while he was the bad guy in Civil War, I kind of feel like, I don't I don't say he wasn't bad, but I kind of feel like, I don't. He's, he seems like he's going to be even the eviler in this one, ostensibly. Yeah. So, honestly, I forgot about him. I had to look him up just now to figure out who exactly he was in Civil mm-hmm. War. And I still so, don't wait a know. minute. And I've seen Civil War. You've twice. seen Civil War twice, and he's been shown in the trailers. How do you not know who he is? I'm talking about like I don't remember his character. He, his in character Civil was War, okay. Even I'm going to explain it. Zemo. Zemo was. Uh, he was originally in the Sokovian military. But what happened was whenever the Age of Ultron movie happened and he lifted up Sokovia, the country, 
trying to make it a meteorite, his family ended up dying. And because of that, the reason because of that, he holds a resentment towards the Avengers for not help like for not saving his family, so he wanted to tear them apart. And, uh, and since they didn't kill him at the end of the Civil War, he's back to uh, presumably fuck shit up some more. Yeah. I just don't rem- I remember that vaguely, but I just don't remember him on screen. He was screen. on I mean, he was and on like, why he like, I mean, he was the bad guy. I'm not doubting you. I just don't I don't remember him at all. You see, Marvel, you should have given him the purple mask from the get-go. He would have stood out more. Exactly. You're right. I just hope they give him his sword because they say folks need more swords. I was going to say something to the Flag Smashers. Their whole goal is to remake the world the way it was before the blip. So him having the mask possibly being kind of like idol tree to Thanos and his ideas kind of makes sense if he wants to establish a world like that. Well, on the subject of the Flag Smashers, we have a character named Carly uh, Morgenthau who is a gender swap version of Carl Morgenthau, a character known as the Flag Smasher. And for him, in the comics, he was a freedom fighter whose goal was to liberate Earth from the oppression of national rule, basically dissolve all borders. Earth is just like one big sort of landmass that we all sort of interact on. Carly Morgenthau is played by Aaron Kellyman, who you might know as one of the characters from Solo. She, po- she played the mass sort of raider in Solo. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Looked like a Destiny character. Yeah. If I remember right, the woman who brings the bag of masks, she has like, you know, red kinky hair like Aaron does. I'm, th- yeah. I'm thinking that was Carly because she's ostensibly the leader of the Flag Masters. Or I would assume that if, you know, she's based off the character that they're getting the name of the organization from. We also have a. I also get into um, Joaquin Torres's character. Um, he's a fairly new character in the comics. He was introduced in 2014 in um, all-new Captain America, where Sam Wilson took over as Cap. And essentially, Bus gives a hint to what his character may be in the show, that Joaquin became the new Falcon in the comics. Because Joaquin Torres, we, he was a Mexican teenager who was kidnapped by this racist, terrorist supergroup called the Sons of the Serpent, who they like mixing people's DNA with animals and vampires to make monsters. And so Joaquin was kidnapped, injected with DNA from uh, Sam Wilson's Falcon uh, Red Wing and making him to a bird-human hybrid. And then he was rescued by Sam. Unfortunately, his condition was permanent, but sort of to show thanks for Sam helping him, he becomes the Falcon and sort of takes up that role and helps Sam. And he has, like, you know, a telepathic connection with Red Wing. He can fly. He can heal. Also has slight vampire powers. He, he, he can drink blood. Yeah, I'm looking at him. He looks sick. I really like this design. Yeah. And uh, I know a lot of people are very interested because, one, this character hasn't really got a lot of use outside of that, that run of the comic. So basically sort of establish this character as something bigger. And plus, he would be one of the few prominent Latino actors in the MCU at this point. I kind of doubt they're going to go with the whole Birdman hybrid for his character, though. I am a monster! Rory literally had, like, bird talons and claws on his feet and, like, feathers coming out of his arm. And and his eyes are just like a falcon. That is scary. Uh, looks cool, though. His his suit does. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> they might be a little bit more restrained with uh, Torres in the show, but we'll see. Um... There are a few uh, characters that are announced for the show. Uh, like we have uh, Clay Bennett, who's playing Battlestar, who in the comics, he 
was the best friend of John Walker. They were both two former military soldiers, um, both poor young men. And they, after leaving the military, they joined this group called the Power Brokers, which sort of gave them like superhuman ability, basically just like heightened physical abilities, like strength, stamina, speed, and all that. And he um, sort of took up the role of Bucky and while uh, John Walker became Captain America. But modern writers, they, they made a point to address the racism of that because Buck was a racial epithet used against black people in the in the past. And so that they, they brought that up in the story. And that's why they changed his name to Battlestar. So, and I think that will be a bigger part of the sort of exploitation of the U.S. military on African-Americans, mm-hmm. which leads me to some another character. Um, it's pretty heavily theorized that Isaiah Bradley will be a character on the show. And for those who don't know who he is, he basically was a, a black soldier in the U.S. military in the comics who was given a, a defective serum based off Captain America's superhuman serum. While it gave him like tremendous physical abilities, it sort of was, like you said, defective, so it really burned out his body and left him like with brain damage. So he's sort of oh. like this almost vegetative person, even though he gave his, you know, essentially his life and his body for the U.S. military, and they sort of burned him up. And his character was based directly off like the very deplorable Tuskegee study. The syphilis experiment. And um, uh, Muhammad Ali, because with the, with the Tuskegee study, in case you don't know, like these poor black sharecroppers were, were injected with syphilis by the U.S. Uh, health agency to study how syphilis would grow on the body on uncontained under the guise of free health care, which is just a hugely like monstrous act that in U.S. history. And also with Muhammad Ali, how just years of being a prize fighter like broke down his body and like sustaining all these like concussions sort of gave him like mental damage. Mm-hmm. So basically, those are two big things that influences that character. And it's believed that that's Carl Lumbly's character that he'll be playing in the show. And Carl Lumbly's just like very seasoned, um, older African-American actor. He's been in a ton of stuff. So that's who a lot of people are speculating his character will be. And I think that's all of the characters that we're expected to see right now. There is Noah Mills. He's another actor that's uh, projected to be in the show, but also like Carl Lumbly, his character is being kept under wraps for the moment. And I don't quite know who he would play, though. Interesting. With all the characters that are planned to be in or expected at some point, it sounds pretty yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah. So I, I was going to say, what are some of your expectations or theories you expect to see or what you'd like to see from the show going forward? I would like to see uh, if Bucky does get his new suit. I'd like to see a new suit for Bucky. I'd like to see uh, what he looks like. Happy. I'd like to see him smile. It's like Sebastian Sin used to smile more. I just don't want him to, uh, to be in pain anymore. Uh, Wenzel? <laughs> you know, I just, I, just want, I just want Sam to get the shield. Just give him the shield. Like, stop with this bullshit. I don't know, man. I, I guess I want to see if they if they change uh, this. If Like you said, we're going to just use it. U.S. agent. I, I want to see if they call him U.S. agent. And then if they change his suit, because I do not like the suit colors, I want to see, um, I, I want to see more about, you know, z- like, w- what does the mask represent, why, why the purple, you know, um, and I want them to address those, you know, those issues that we've been discussing about how uh, the U.S., the government and the military has manipulated and exploited people of color, especially black Americans throughout history. 
um, I, I want them to address that. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm really, I'm really excited to see where that goes. But then also too, it's just like I don't know the the whole the whole contract they have with the military and how they depict them. That that's gonna blow. But whatever. Yeah, uh, me and me and Pat talked about it before the show. Like. Uh, I'm really anxious on how they're going to do the whole Flag Smasher subplot because, like, initially it sort of set off red flags in my mind of, like, they're going to turn them into, well, Antifa are the real fascist type of thing. Yeah. I, I like, I'm scared they're going to go in that direction. But then they're they're also trying to do this critique of how American society, like, just every institution has just completely shat on um, marginalized groups, especially racial minorities. Like, how do you criticize... Like, like how do you... Uh, it's, it's like, there, there's going to be that cognitive dissonance there of how you deal with criticizing it on this end, but not on this end. It's like, you know, we get paid by the military to, you know, to use their stuff and their resource, but also, like, military bad sometimes. Yeah, like, I, like Pat said uh, before the show, it's like, they're probably going to just play with kid gloves when it comes to the military, which is unfortunate, but you know, what's you going to do? Yeah. But other than that, like I'm just here for the ride. Honestly, <laughs> y'all know more about like the comic stuff than I do. And I'm just, I'm honestly just enjoying it for what it is. My, <laughs> I have a crackpot harebrained theory. Let's hear it. The odds of this happening, uh, almost nothing, but it would be really funny if they just took this wild ass swerve, plus it ties back into our overall kaiju theme for the month. Last episode, uh, Zemo pulls out his trump card and it, he he wakens American kaiju, which is this giant lizard monster that a uh, that this guy was experimented to turn into. Basically, it's this giant god looking monster with an American flag on his face and on his chest. Google American kaiju right now. <laughs> what the shit. I'm Googling it right that now. That would be absolutely insane, like, if just they just pull that out where the Falcon and the Winter Soldier are like, yeah, we're just going to have to fight a giant monster. It looks <laughs> it looks awesome, but the American flag looks so out of place. Why is it there? Because the guy who, who was experimented to turn into uh, American Kaiju, his name is Todd Ziller. No. No. Yes. No. Todd Ziller. That is dumb. That is stupid. And he was a test subject, uh, and it's another attempt to recreate the uh, the Captain America serum, but they went a little wonky with it because you know some bad guys got their fingers into that pie, and uh, he became a giant kaiju. Fuck it, I, I'm a, I'll allow it. <laughs> I want and, it now. And this is a it's <laughs> a fairly recent addition. This I think he first appeared in 2015. So uh, hell yeah, uh, last episode. Give us a fucking kaiju. Because it, it's it's precedented in the comics, please. Also, it'd be cool if some point, like Bucky's walking down the street, and then you see John Barenthal stabbing someone in the chest in the background. <laughs> I just want it. <laughs> the person being stabbed's a dirty cop, so it's good. Okay. This little subplot in this show, because they kind of touch on it, it's like how you know about how soldiers are sort of left to rot after they have they expended their duty. And they're no longer use, useful to the U.S. military. You can have that sort of, how do you segue a soldier to a, a civilian life and just have John Berthold there? Because I used to be a soldier, and because of that, he ended up killing people. For right reasons, maybe. Depending on how you look at the Punisher. <laughs> but also, yeah, uh, quit holding out. Just give us John Berthold back. Please. I just want him in, as, I just want him screaming some more. <laughs> 
I've said this in the past many times. He's very good at screaming. All right, I think that's all I have. Um, any sort of last thoughts before we wrap up for today? All right. For me. All right. So we, we all enjoyed it, uh, the first episode. And I think uh, it's easy to say that we will recommend this for anyone else who hasn't got a chance to watch it yet. Oh, yeah. It's going to be an easier pickup than uh, WandaVision for a lot of people. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's definitely more in line with like the movies, and it feels and looks like the, the movies pretty closely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, once again, thank you all so much for listening today. You can uh, you can follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, and any RSS feed catcher out there. Be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, and all those platforms helps us out, keeps us high in the algorithm, and we of course we appreciate you when you do that. You can follow us on our socials on Twitter and Instagram, AYCH Podcast, on Letterboxd and Facebook at All You Can Hear, Twitch at twitch.tv slash All You Can Hear, and YouTube which is also all can you hear. Be sure to check out our, our spinoff show, Cajun Greatness, where me, Jonathan, Cannon, and Justin all talked about the, the wacky sci-fi romp of jiu-jitsu where Nicolas Cage does martial arts in space, kind of. And uh, lastly, you can follow me, Patrick, on Twitter and Instagram at John Lost His Name and my art on Facebook at John Lost His Name Art. My name is Jonathan. You can follow me at Twitter at J-O-N-I-I-B-O-I-24 and John Unson 12 on Letterboxd. My name's Colt. Follow me on Twitter at ColtD00. Uh, thank you. I'm Wenzel. You can follow me on Twitter at Wenzel. You can follow my art Instagram at World of Wednesday. Thank you for listening. You can check out my link tree. I have links in there. Maybe. Links. All right, uh, thank you all so much. Join us next week when we wrap up our month of, of Kaiju discussion with our breakdown of all the films in Legendary's MonsterVerse. We'll be talking to you very soon. Yeehaw! Bye.